Hi, this is Joe Battaglia, author of The Politically Incorrect Jesus, and you are listening to On Faith's Edge with the inimitable Joe Taylor. We kind of keep the demonic at a distance because it, it feels safer if it's over there rather than something that, that is an immediate uh, conflict, you know, a, a real spiritual conflict that goes on in our lives. On today's show, Dr. Michael Heiser joins us to talk about his new books, Supernatural and the Unseen Realm. This is the 45th episode of On Faith's Edge. Welcome to On Faith's Edge. My name is Joe Taylor, recovering atheist and your servant in Jesus Christ. This is your place to hear conversations with people of faith in business and entertainment from all walks of life and levels of success. They all have one thing in common. Like Dr. Michael Heiser, they believe in God and they come here to talk about it. A very special welcome to the newest members of the On Faith's Edge community. Those are Merlene Alford, Brenda Robinson, Kevin Smith, and Roger Higdon. Thank you so much for joining the community. If you want to receive show no, show updates or, or uh, join our Facebook page, uh, you can find the links at onfaithsedge.com. That's onfaithsedge.com, just like uh, these folks did. I really look forward to hearing from you. Last episode, we spoke with author Joe Battaglia about his provocative new book, The Politically Incorrect Jesus. Joe is founder and president of Renaissance Communications. He is executive producer and general manager of Keep the Faith Radio, a nationally syndicated radio program heard in over 200 markets in 80 countries overseas. Highly active in the Christian music community, Joe was chairman of the National Christian Radio Association for 14 years. The politically incorrect Jesus will awaken people from their spiritual slumber to question the intellectual and spiritual inconsistency of political correctness, both inside and outside the church. I really like this conversation with Joe. He's a great guy and uh, really has something to say. Uh, you can hear our conversation at onfaithsedge.com slash 44. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 44. Up next, I speak with Dr. Michael Heiser as we just scratch the surface of the Christian outlook of the supernatural and the unseen realm. Dr. Heiser is the academic editor at Logos Bible Software, and after 15 years of researching what the Bible really says about the unseen world of the supernatural, unfiltered by tradition or by theological presuppositions, he presents two books, Supernatural and the Unseen Realm. I am here with Dr. Mike Heiser, author of The Unseen Realm, Rediscovering the Supernatural Worldview of the Bible, also author of Supernatural, What the Bible Teaches About the Unseen World and Why It Matters. Uh, this could not be a more 
timely subject, Mike. It seems that all things supernatural, all things uh, unseen, seem to be all the rage right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's important to know what the Bible teaches us about about the the world outside of our space and time right now, mm -hmm. what's going on behind the scenes, right. I guess you would say. And uh, uh, for, the, for the church to realize, for Christians to realize that it's there. There is an unseen realm, realm and there is, a, there is uh, supernatural occurrences in this world. So let's talk about that. Let's first, uh, do you want to talk about both books together or just kind of the subjects in general? Sure, we, we can take them both uh, together. Okay. Uh, Unseen Realm is a book that's sort of aimed at the pastor, the seminary student. Uh, uh, it's, it's more academic in flavor. Uh, Supernatural is sort of a trimmed down version, taking the core points of the first book, Unseen Realm, and then putting them into, again, language that's digestible to the lay person, the average person in the pew. But both books cover uh, the same set of ideas. There, it's really a difference in detail, uh, sort of drilling down more in one than the other. Um, it's interesting that the way you introduce things about uh, the, the need to inform Christians that there's a, there's a supernatural world. Uh, you would think that, that we, uh, as Christians, would be the people most predisposed uh, to thinking that, oh, well, yeah, this, this is sort of normal biblical theology. This, this is sort of a given, but it's actually not. I mean, outside of what we would think of as the charismatic orbit, uh, there's actually a lot of sort of standoffishness you know, to this idea. I mean, we have to affirm, of course, that there's a God and, and Jesus and the Trinity and these big core ideas. But a lot of what goes on in Scripture uh, that I would say is not on the periphery, but people sort of think is the periphery or keep it at the periphery, uh, has sort of, you know, dropped away or been lost or minimized uh, in, in terms of our worldview. And so what I'm trying to do in the books is uh, really fundamentally two things. I'm trying to get people to read their Bible, to think about their Bible the way an ancient person would, someone who's not modern. Uh, if we had uh, an Israelite here, brought them back here from 2,500 years ago, and we put them in a small group study, and we said, hey, we're reading through this passage, you know, what do you think? Uh, their answer about what they think the Scripture is saying and what it means would be a lot different than our answer because they're pre-modern. They come from that time. They come from thousands of years ago. And the way they process things in Scripture uh, and their openness in particular to an animate, active, supernatural world that, that really interacts with us on a regular basis, uh, that was their worldview. It was, it was just a, a reflex to them, whereas our reflex— Again, we affirm core doctrinal ideas, but some of this other stuff kind of makes us feel uncomfortable, and we look for reasons to explain away this or that event or someone's experience or, or something like that, or we kind of keep the demonic at a distance because it's, it feels safer if it's over there rather than something that, that is an immediate uh, conflict, you know, a, a real spiritual conflict that goes on in our lives and, and, again, this sense of interactivity. So I'm trying to get Christians to sort of think like people used to. <laughs> Why is that important, Mike? Why is that important that people understand this supernatural realm, this unseen realm that uh, the, the, I think the Bible clearly, uh, clearly states that is, is there. Yeah. I, and of course I would agree. I, I think it's, it's, it's pretty self-evident. Um, I, I think it's, it's important to, it's really about kind of a mental reorientation. Uh, we, we tend to, again, think of 
of the supernatural role in who we are as something in the past, something that's sort of ancient history, meaning that while we might uh, be sort of the benefactors of the effects of something that happened way back when, that's when it was going on as opposed to now. And I think if we sort of woke up every day and we thought, you know, we're being watched. Uh, we're not only being watched, we're being interacted with by, by uh, unseen divine agents that God is using in our lives to influence us uh, to do the right thing or make that right turn instead of the left turn. Uh, you know, frankly, the New Agers and the pagans and, and practicing polytheists, I think, actually have a broader spiritual worldview than most Christians. And what I mean by that is this is the way they live. They don't, they don't believe that life uh, is, is predestined. I mean, they, 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 they just think that, you know, as I go throughout my day, there's this activity around me. They talk about synchronicities. They talk about how, how things just sort of come together. And, you know, we, we kind of, we have kind of lost that. And I would say, you know, that, that whole approach that we need to sort of live more intentionally and we need to sort of, you know, think of our day as, you know, what, what happens to me today does have a purpose behind it. And the way I respond does matter. Uh, the, the way I, I, you know, do right or do wrong, the decisions I make, that factors in my little life here factors into something much larger that we like to call the kingdom of God, that there's an intentionality that God has behind it. And all of these things are sort of working all at the same time uh, together. But we, again, we kind of distance ourselves from it. You know, we have our jobs, we have our kids, we have our earthly concerns. And and that, that orients us as opposed to this more, if I can use the word cosmic or supernatural Mm -hmm. sense that what I do is really part of a very large mosaic. And I can't necessarily see specifically all the time what my role is in it, but I know there is a role and I'm going to live my life as though that were true. Again, for an ancient person, this whole idea of heaven and earth kind of being in sync uh, was something they didn't even think about. Uh, That was just the norm. But for us, we sort of have to force ourselves again to think about uh, how our lives here on earth are are in parallel or matter uh, in relationship to the spiritual world how does How does somebody go about uh, living their life on a day to day basis being aware of this unseen realm, and how would that change in in your opinion? How would that change the way they live life? Mm-hmm. I think in, in some respects, it's a question of, of biblical authority. I also think it's a question of exposure to what Scripture actually says. There, the, the beliefs about angels and demons that a lot of Christians have, I would say, are, are largely inadequate in terms of what's actually contained in Scripture. Hmm. And in some cases, I think they're a bit misguided. Let me give you an example. Uh, there's this notion that Back in primeval times, you know, before creation, before Eden, that a third of the angels, you know, fell and, and you know, hooked up with Satan and all this sort of stuff. There actually isn't a verse in the Bible that says that. That, that actually comes from John Milton's Paradise Lost, you know, famous Puritan mm-hmm. work. But it was so influential that it's, just, it's actually become part of our theology. Uh, the only time that you get a third of the angels in any passage is Revelation 12, and that's in conjunction with the first coming of Christ. You actually go read the passage. Well, it's a good example of something that we think we know, but we don't actually know. And and I I think, again, there's 
You just need exposure, a, a closer reading to the text is what I'm trying to do in the books. Take people into the weird passages that sort of get glossed over or sort of omitted. You won't hear this in church kind of thing. They're all there for a reason. They're all part of a bigger worldview, and they all fit together in a coherent way within that worldview. And so I'm trying to take people back to the text and then really posing the question, do you really believe what the biblical writers believed? I mean, to me, that's a spiritual issue. Uh, and it's tough for us as moderns because of who we are and how we're trained to think. Uh, if, if we did that, again, I think that we would get a greater sense of purpose in life. We would We would see, again, a closer proximity in terms of God's purpose and activity really unfolding in our lives as ordinary as we think they are. Again, we need to just step back and look at the mosaic a little bit as we're able to do and get a sense that there really is a plan here. There really is intentionality. God really does what he says in Hebrews 1. He assigns angelic beings for our benefit. We may not ever see them. We may not, may not ever sense that they are there, but they are in fact there. And what we do matters. They're here to help us and interact with us. And the same thing for cosmic evil. I mean, there, there's a reason why Paul uses the terms that he does, thrones, principalities, powers. He rarely talks about demons. It's something that, mm. that we don't often pick up on, but the word demon rarely occurs outside the Gospels. In Paul, it's all this other terminology. Well, he's getting that from somewhere. He's getting this territoriality sense from the Old Testament and their worldview. And so I'm trying to take people, again, back to the text and say, you know, the supernatural world was just something that was a given. This interactivity was something that was a, gi- a, a given. And if you think about Eden, from the very beginning, God was there. He already has a heavenly host, the sons of God who were here before creation, Job 38. He comes to earth and says, I have a great idea. We're going to create humankind, and we're going to go live with them. That was the norm from the beginning. It's pretty cool. To have two families, you know, God's two families, essentially God's two bureaucracies, God's two households living together. Now, now we think of that way, like, after I die, I get to go see the angels. But that's actually the, the original plan. And there's nothing in biblical theology that says it was put on hold or dispensed with. Do you think that, um, of course, it's, you know, one of the one of your books is the unseen. Uh, Was there a time that that the unseen was seen and there is something that is holding us holding us back from seeing the unseen or just the way God has it right now? I, I think I'll use God himself as an example. We we tend to think that uh, Jesus, because of the incarnation, well, this is when God showed up and was sort of detectable as a man. That's actually not the case. There are plenty of passages in the Old Testament where God is in human form. Now, it's not the incarnation. He wasn't born of a virgin and all that. The incarnation sort of ups the ante when it comes to, you know, coming as a man. But the whole word theology, you know, John, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and all that. Well, he, where does he get that? Well, he gets it from passages like Genesis 12 and Genesis 15. The word of the Lord comes to Abraham in a vision. Okay, visions are things you see. Right. And he leads him out, you know, and talks about the stars. Uh, you, you look at uh, a passage like Genesis 18. God is in a human body there. They eat. They have a meal with Abraham, God, and two angels. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. He calls him as a prophet. And it says in around verse 9 that he reached out his hand, Jeremiah says, and he touched me. Mm. 
and it says the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord touches him. The word of the Lord is is a guy, is a man. I mean, it, this is the, this is what Jeremiah experiences. And so when John's writing in the New Testament, he's not getting this from Greco-Roman philosophy and from some other weird source. He knows his Old Testament really well, and he knows that this is what we would expect. Why why would God bother? Think about it. God has two problems. He, if he really came to us as he truly was, his unveiled essence, we'd die. Right. <laughs> that, that, that's a communication <laughs> problem. Right. It sort of defeats the whole enterprise. And, and not only that, if we didn't die, we couldn't process it. We need him to come to us as something we can process and, and is veiled for our protection. And so the Old Testament has a number of, of passages, again, that we might be familiar with, but we overlook details in them that actually reveal that this is what's going on. You know, God is meeting with people. And so when Jesus comes along, it's like, well, yeah, we know what you're talking about, John. We know what who the Word was. I mean, we can go back at this passage and read all about that. Right. So there's a lot of continuity there. It just sort of reframes the way we think about, uh, again, God's interactivity with us. Well, the, the books are Supernatural and the Unseen Realm by Dr. Michael Heiser. And this is an important subject, and uh, I really look forward to talking again and maybe digging a little deeper. Thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. God bless you, my friend. Dr. Heiser's website is drmsh.com. That's drmsh.com. And his books are available on amazon.com. These links, as well as his Facebook and Twitter links, are in today's show notes at onfaithsedge.com slash 45. Again, that's onfaithsedge.com slash 45. That'll wrap up today's show. Thank you again to Dr. Heiser for being with us, and thank you for listening today. I really appreciate you being here. You mean a lot to me, and you mean a lot to the show. I love you guys. Remember, God is real, and eternity is now. Let's go out and live like it. God bless. Thank you for listening to On Faith's Edge. You can subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, Internet Radio, or your favorite podcast app on Android, Apple, or Windows devices. To reach out to Joe or leave comments about the show, visit onfaithsedge.com. You're important to us, and we would love to hear from you. 